0: everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast where we ask a question. Hey. Hey
1: y'all.
0: Hey y'all.
1: <laughs> That's oh, a new oh.
0: one. <laughs> Remember the odds? Yes. I'm Courtney.
1: And I'm Thomas.
0: I notice every time you say your name, you do like a big like, I'm Thomas. <laughs>
1: I know, but I, I don't know what else to do. I think I just, whatever happens, happens.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Yes. That is valid. So on this podcast, we talk about everything in the 2000s from Brett Michaels having a TV show where he finds love. Well, he did. And I
1: texted you about this and I said, how <laughs> yes. did this happen? How did this happen? Because it's a bad show, but it's a guilty pleasure <laughs> show.
0: Oh, it's a very guilty pleasure show. So much manic panic. So many hoop earrings. And a lot of lip gloss, I feel.
1: So many butt rock moms.
0: Yes. Two Brett Michaels almost winning apprentice.
1: Oh.
0: Mm-hmm. He made a pretty good Snapple drink. You know i mean like he didn't make it like Brett michaels didn't go to the snapple factory and like handcraft um all of these snapples
1: it's so (laughs) weird looking back on that because that's definitively like i love the term butt rock or dad rock or bro rock
0: yeah you just see an ed hardy shirt yes like you don't see a band you just see an ed hardy shirt playing a guitar, playing all of the instruments, actually. It's
1: the type of thing that despite the fact it's been out of fashion for over 10 years, it's defiantly still here. Like, this yes. this look, this attitude, this, like, very middle-of-the-road, I-don't-want-to-offend-anybody-but-I-have-controversial-opinions type of person is still an active person in America.
0: You know what it reminds me of, too? What's that? It's the same person who is probably writing a comic book about a guy who has like a desk job and he just like, he hates his job. It's just so boring. And the walls are all white and the cubicles are white. Like that kind of guy.
1: Yeah. Like nineties angst where it was like a lot of angst, but no, like I described nineties angst once. And I think it's like a lot of distrust and anger, but no real cause. (laughs)
0: Like, right and also like not actually pushing any boundaries really
1: yeah nine the 90s generation the gen x if we will had a lot Mm -hmm. of angst but no real mission like they were just angsty for angsty's sake it feels like a like any seth MacFarlane comic book it's just like obnoxious but like is it trying to say or correct anything not really
0: wait do you mean Seth McFarlane as in like the creator of the Family Guy show, or Todd MacFarlane? Todd McFarlane. Spawn? <laughs>
1: well, you know what? To be fair, both both people. Yeah. I'm so dumb. I'm leaving this in. No.
0: Because I, I I immediately like replaced it in my brain as Todd MacFarlane, yes. and I was like, well, Spawn is, um, predominantly like uh like portrayed as like a black person. I mean, and also, like, there is some complicated stuff with Todd McFarlane. And then I'm like, wait, did he mean, did he say Seth McFarlane? Sorry.
1: Well, you know what? (laughs) And this isn't even me taking away from these comic books. Spawn is a beloved character. But, like, let's look at Todd himself.
0: But the creator himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Joe and I have talked about this a lot because he loves Spawn. It's, like, his favorite comic book character growing up. But also he is aware that Todd McFarlane is kind of like not a great person.
1: Well, it's also like what other comic series that I used to really like. um, The the Max, which I can't take credit for myself. That was a character introduced to me. But the Max is like so rich and angst for no real reason. I remember there's a line in it where the main character, who's obviously a very attractive blonde, she says, What did she say? She said, Democrats are just Republicans who haven't been jumped yet. And I'm like, What does that even mean? And what is it trying to say?
0: <laughs> well, like the whole thing that I recently looked up the origin of that James McAvoy gif, gif, yeah, jiffy of like him sweating. And I wanted to find out what that was from. Then I found out it was from the movie Wanted, which Uh. is exactly that. It starts off as just, like, him being a desk guy who, like, hates his job. And I was just, like, these scenarios are always from the same point of view of, like, a white man who is just bored with society, bored with having a steady income. Yes. Like, it's never the person who's, like, wronged by society. It's just this guy. It's just James McAvoy at the beginning of Wanted. Yeah,
1: you know what it is too? It's yeah. very much like, re- it's it's the scenario where if you read Fight Club and don't realize it's he- like the very dangerous criticisms of a toxic masculine perspective, you just take it at face right. value and go, yeah, man, desk jobs suck. Like, it, think about
0: yeah the level yeah. of
1: privilege that it takes to also think about that and think that that's a reasonable opinion like like the level of privilege where society and the culture and the economy is doing so is so comfortable that a legitimate argument you could have is that just jobs are boring
0: right and it's also like James McAvoy Tyler Durden I'm sure there are a lot of people who could use some steady income who would gladly take that position for you like right now do not want it yeah like Do not be greedy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like, think about it, because after... you haven't
0: figured yourself out yet.
1: (laughs) Like, after 2008, that narrative no longer was popular because that narrative could no longer exist in an economy that was incredibly unstable.
0: Ooh, that actually segues into something recently that I watched where it was, like, um, this really thoughtful video about 2010 trends, and Mm. they had mentioned how the hipster trend... Resulted from like an accelerated, I mean, I'm adding this part. and ex- I think an accelerated interest in the Beatles. Suddenly, the Beatles were revamped again for our generation. You yes. know, there was a war that we feel like was parallel to Vietnam in the sense of like, what are we doing there? Why are we sending people there? Mm-hmm. And then also, this video proposition that the the trend of hipsterdom came from the sudden recession. Suddenly people did not want to go shopping and go to the Chanel and Gucci and Louis Vuitton. They were going to thrift stores. That makes sense. Yeah, I thought that was a really good point. And it was also like a very practical economical point too. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if you were a celebrity and you were still like going around with these like luxury design brands, then you were seen as being um, like callous and not thoughtful.
1: Yeah. No, that's a very yeah. good point. I I could see that.
0: Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, this is our podcast.
1: This is our podcast. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot about cultures and trends and and, mm-hmm. and, and issues that happen. But mm-hmm. if you want, I will tie this into the topic of today's episode. Do it. Yes. Today we continue our mini series on one hit wonders of the two thousands. And today Today was a pick of mine that I was very excited about because this mm-hmm. is the song that every person our age who goes to emo night knows all the lines to the chorus. Everybody sings it. It's a it's it's a bop. It's a hit. It's a smash. They have got Well, other they're song.
0: ironically like pushing into each other.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> every adult 30 year old knows all the lyrics and remembers their scene emo days it's 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 a banger it's a bop it's it's a jam but it's also got a lot more meaning and complications and we raise the question when talking about the song is mm-hmm. it exploitive is there also, a benefit to even this? if
0: even if people don't remember it off the top of their heads which I find very hard to believe as soon as you hear the band's name you immediately come back to it but It just, like, the lyrics hit you like a dog whistle. Like, suddenly, it starts, and we just all know the lyrics to it.
1: Those four chords come into effect. You hear the singing, and it's (laughs) like, yes, you remember the song. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that song is Face Down by Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. (laughs) Insert the song in front of the
0: episode.
1: (laughs) It goes right here.
0: Right there.
1: Right here. All right, so this was my suggestion. And I was worried that, like, I was pitching a song that you were like, please not.
0: (laughs) I thought about that for a hot second. And then I was like, well, I also just ranted about 3LW. (laughs) But there
1: was a lot of tea with 3LW.
0: Oh my god, wasn't that so much fun? It was fun. Um, I went back and listened to it, and I was like, I'm not annoying. That's in my head. No, you're fine. I'm just talking about the episode, okay?
1: You're totally fine.
0: So So I was like, let's do Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. This is what Tom wants to talk about. Yeah.
1: Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Mm -hmm. Let's
0: see. Where do you want to start?
1: I will start at Their Humble Beginnings. They're an American rock band started in Middleburg, Florida in two thousand three. Really the Middleburg
0: fake... just sounds like a fake town name.
1: It does. But I also mm-hmm. whenever I hear the uh the front man who's also kinda like the spearhead for the band, um Ronnie Winter. Mm-hmm. He he always talks about Jacksonville, Jacksonville. He's always talking about Florida. And I think that's there's a certain element of this that is key to like the band's like identity and But what's interesting is that like, upon researching this band, it was Mm -hmm. started around 2003 when Ronnie Winter and his friend Duke Kitchens started the, they started the band. They were both in like an AP music theory class.
0: Oh, very fancy for Florida.
1: Yeah. And they started this band, but it wasn't his first band. Ronnie Winter's first band was actually a technical math band with his brother. (laughs) What? Yeah, Randy. He was in a technical metal band, and like, I li- when I listen to interviews of him and the way he talks about music and the way he thinks about, it, I'm like, this guy, like, he says his dream in life is to be like the drummer, re- like replacement drummer for Tool, and I'm like, sure, technical <laughs> man,
0: right. <laughs> Every time I think of Jacksonville, I immediately think of Jason Mendoza, Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> like portals
1: so they uh, they um this was like this a so red jumpsuit apparatus was it like, was like a side project his main ambition mm-hmm. was like this more technical style like, technical metal. math band yeah technical metal math band i i feel like i'm just gonna keep saying it wrong but you know what i can't i just whenever what? someone brings up math and metal i'm just like i don't care if the, if it sounds good i'll listen to it
0: Right. I also just have a hard time with the technicality of music. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I was talking to my student about it yesterday and how she grew up in one of those sort of technical um, institutions for math and making you sort of this, like, perfect perfect executioner of music. And I don't think that that is entirely necessary to create good music and she even said that it's incredibly boring
1: i can imagine yeah so so
0: technical math and metal just like doesn't seem to add up to me
1: yeah it's i feel like it's a lot of flair it's like if you want to and i'm not i don't mean to be critical i but although i am i feel like sometimes someone will add math or technical to their metal band to give it more flair and be like i'm the thinking man's metal and it's like It's all dorky shit regardless, man. You don't have to worry about it. I'm not judging you.
0: Yeah, you should still go probably, like, wash your very long hair (laughs) or something.
1: (laughs) But, like, Red Jumps Up Adiratus was kind of like all the things that, like, where he wasn't being technical. Yeah. According in interviews, he would really... Because something that he does that's not common in music... And I think we actually talked about this when we talked about um, talked about Miss Murder. Is uh, the lyrics are often the last thing written, but mm, with Ronnie, mm-hmm. that was kind of the thing he did differently. He would he would kind of sit on the couch. He said he would sit on the couch with an acoustic guitar and just come up with lyrics and try to make a song around the lyrics. Mm. And it didn't work with his band with his brother. But it worked for this, like, little punk band that he had with his friend. So then they would have... So
0: you're you're saying this song did not work with the technical math metal band? No, it did not. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, but, like, given the context of the lyrics, would you want it in a technical math metal band?
0: I don't really want anything in a technical math metal band. (laughs) So I I don't really know. The question would be rather, what do you want in a technical math metal band? Yeah,
1: That's a fair question. (laughs) (laughs) So face down is one of those songs, it's the result of him kind of playing on the acoustic guitar, and almost having these dialogues and stories with his brother, Ronnie and his brother, um, coming out of Florida did grow up in an abusive household with two alcoholic parents, and they were kind Mm. of saved from that when they were taken in by their grandparents for a short while. And as he, he even describes it as like angsty teenage behavior, not really comprehending and just kind of having needing an outlet. This song mm-hmm. came out as the result of that.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: It came out as a result of their own personal abuse. And what's interesting is that he reflects upon himself. He goes, you know, like I grew up in a household where substance abuse led to abuse on us, and I was very angry about that. And he goes, but then as an adult, I ended up abusing the same substances. He has since been Mm. sober for a long time, and he cites his mother as being his inspiration when she got sober. It's a really, I think it's a nice little story of progression and change and, like, growing. That's
0: very impactful, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, because that's the thing, like, when we talk about the song, like, we have to address, like, the very, like... And what's interesting is, like, I thought about it, and I was looking at other contexts and popular songs at the time, there's not a lot of songs that capture this like topic but are also like radio hits, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yes, that's true. And I feel like also this was the first time where it truly was a radio hit. Yeah. And it was it is kind of strange because it didn't hide away from the darkness of the topic. No. But it's still played like a hit, you know, you don't really get that sort of combination. There's a dichotomy in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it's a very simple, but like, just very catchy put together song. And like I said, whenever you hear that chorus, everybody sings along. And I think right. as much as there's like, we can look at it as Face Valley and be like, Uh, It's kind of weird that people are just singing these lyrics out loud at like a party situation. But I also think back to like what it must have felt like as a kid already into the alternative scene, which, you know, the stigma is not necessarily true. But there's always this kind of underlying like sometimes people find alternative cultures to escape something going on in their home.
0: Mm -hmm. Like
1: imagine being a teenager hearing the song that, like, hits and resonates on a very personal level. Because it's like when you sing, like, the chorus is very loud. It's like this explosive amount of energy. Like, maybe there is this catharsis in, like, projecting this, like, anger out from, like, the frustrations of a very difficult situation that you're in, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode is that um, there was plenty of space in the aughts alternative scene for the sort of like blanket statement of just not feeling like you belong like the butt rock and um the like the papa roach song or trapped and there's never like addressing anything specifically here this song actually addresses a thing that makes you feel like you want to escape something yeah so there is some benefit to that it's like it's expressing something that's actually terrible that being said it also addresses something terrible happening yeah you know then then it's putting it out in the forefront for people whether or not um that's a good thing or a bad thing or both
1: that's a yeah that's a very good point and I think that's what
0: mm-hmm.
1: made me want to do be very careful when talking about this song and make sure I did like my research and looked into it to kind of see you know the the foundation of the song where it comes from Like, the lyrical. Because, like, I know these lyrics by heart. It's been one of those songs that, like, as an angsty high schooler, I couldn't admit to liking because it wasn't metal. But I always fucking loved this song. And it's like, when it came (laughs) on, like, this song reminds me of dumb teenage Friday nights just driving around because it's like that's the only thing you could do at that age is you drive around. Drive around, maybe go to the beach... And, like, maybe you're with a friend and the song comes on. And it just kind of serves as that, like, especially not mm-hmm. following the context at the time.
0: I think, if anything, the context of seeing a bunch of children, like, sing and dance to this song should have been assigned to schools and parents that uh, a lot of kids need to have a space where they feel like they're not being abused by adults. Yeah like I was talking to my doctor about this today and we were saying how in schools, like they teach you math, they teach you science and um, AP music theory, but there's no class on how to love yourself and how to avoid toxic relationships or how to get out of toxic relationships. And, you know, maybe some very, very, very progressive schools are starting to address that, but not in the way that, it's a course that people should be taking as like part of health or family living or whatever else.
1: Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. you're a hundred percent correct. And it's just, it's interesting to look back on that. Cause like, it's weird to me that this song, I mean, it's, it was weird, but the more I think about it, the more I break it down, the more it makes sense that like a song like this kind of has a lot of resonations for both positive and negative emotions I think it's the mm-hmm. positive comes from like that expression and feeling like you can voice this and maybe by singing it you almost create this carefree free space where like you're letting all of it out.
0: Right, you're getting it out yeah. of your system. Mhm.
1: And then like the other side is like maybe it is a little more personal and real for a lot of people and this could cuz like I this is like to get back to like the history of this band. This song mm-hmm. is a was released on their first LP, don't you think it came out 2006 mm-hmm. I mean there's other hits on this album like your guardian angel which is a really good song but like okay I was gonna
0: say like I've not heard a single other song by but but that's band. the
1: thing this song yeah. is their hit like this song is their hit like there's a reason like <laughs> that's it yeah that's it this is their hit like they've made other music and I'm actually gonna I think I want to get, I've never listened to this album in full. Okay. I think I'm going to pick it up. I think I
0: did once. I think I did. I don't know. I don't remember. That's, that's like how much this song stuck out. Because I remember like looking on their Wikipedia page real quick that it says their deluxe version of the album had an acoustic version. Yes. And the only thing I can really remember is like sound, sound, sounds, face down. Sound, 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 sounds. Face down acoustic version. So I remember that sensation. So I must have tried to listen to the album at some point, but I literally don't remember anything.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna give it a listen, but like I'm gonna do it, and it's it's giving me flashbacks to when I was younger. I think, like this is I imagine like you know sun setting, driving out east to the middle of nowhere. It just playing an album from beginning to end and just kind of letting it sink in. And maybe as an adult, yeah. a 30 year old adult, maybe I'll like, it'll help kind of put together some pieces of other feelings and feel like a nice, like cathartic mm. release. It'll be beautiful. It'll be like when I was 19 and drove, do you remember my first car, that piece of shit, Toyota Camry? I loved yeah, it. So do I you love remember that,
0: that Camry. I, yeah. I
1: don't mean to talk shit about it. It's just, it was objectively a bad car
0: it was yeah it was a camry
1: <laughs> but it was such a good car i loved it it was a big yeah. hunk. it was a six cylinder, six cylinders they don't make cars like that anymore <laughs> six cylinder white toyota camry it smelled bad it was full of cigar burns but i loved it anyway and i drove it until the transmission broke and it only went in reverse
0: Oh no, this car isn't doing what it's supposed to. It's doing the exact opposite.
1: It's only going in reverse. I literally had to pull It won't in. go
0: forward. It goes backwards.
1: I had to pull into a parking lot and call AAA. And I just remember being devastated. I was like,
0: no. Yeah. Not oh. my car.
1: This car was like a father to me.
0: I genuinely... <laughs> This car was my father figure. I put all of my patriarchal expectations on it.
1: It got me from point A to point B.
0: <laughs> for as far as a think, guy,
1: I'm not a car yeah. head at all, but it is weird how much I have attachments and love for vehicles, even though I'm not like I don't know cars. I don't know how to check them. I just love the idea of driving one.
0: Well, we just, just how to check them. Like mm, it looks great. Put a little stethoscope to it. Sounds good to me. <laughs>
1: that's yeah. That's how um, you check the oil, right? I put the yeah. stethoscope <laughs> on, the, on the hood.
0: Um, I mean, I hear a lot about cars frequently, and I think it's working very subliminally. Like when someone's explaining it to me, I'm like, just give me the visuals. Just put the thing in front of me, and I'll, I'll hear you, and I'll understand it. But then when I'm in the car with my mom and I see a car go by or, you know, she's like, oh, what's that light? Suddenly an answer will come out of me. And I'm like, where did that come from?
1: That's awesome. That's really
0: cool. So I, I'm like accruing knowledge. It's just I have no control over when it happens or actually takes some sort of hold in my memory. Yes. Um, I do kind of wonder if the idea of listening to a full album is going to come back and I'm putting that back on our girl Taylor Swift.
1: Hmm. She did kind of change the game in that regard because for the longest time singles were the way to go.
0: Yeah. And, you know, with Spotify, like playlists were becoming more of a thing. Artists are coming out with playlists and then they sneak their albums into it. But also, you know, you've got Folklore, Evermore, and then The re-release, the first re-release of her series, Fearless, probably like the biggest one, the one she was always going to start with, has kind of brought that back in a weird way. It's like awoken a lot of people to enjoying albums again and Joe and I were listening to it because he was a bigger fan of Taylor Swift when we, you know, started our early relationship years more so than I was. So that was, like, his album. He loved that version of Taylor Swift, so we were listening to it. Yes. <laughs> so I I think it's going to come back.
1: I think, especially after the pandemic, I think there will be a totally. rush to excitement for new content because it's been, like, like, it's been a good year for a lot of content already made, but a lot of other content, right. like movies, shows, and music has been pushed back. So I think mm-hmm. if you're a smart musician... You've created something to release once. Because, like, just the general excitement of being back into the world, anything's going to be eaten up. And I, like, I, yeah fun side story. I went to a coffee shop the other day, and the owner yes ended up being the stage manager for one of my favorite bands of all time, Ghost. And we yes, just talked. what
0: an insane coincidence. Yeah,
1: just an insane coincidence. He's just like, yeah, I own this, but I spend most of my time on the road, except during the pandemic. Right. And just talking to him about the state of things, festivals, music, and when, like, he's, he even told me, he's like, they were planning, like, to really come out big and strong. He's like, that's the plan, like, build up during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I'm like, that makes sense. He goes, you would think, but not every band thinks like that. And I'm like, shit.
0: I, I think that what people want coming out of the pandemic, and not saying that we are coming out of it just yet, I think that, like, people are eager we still need to be careful, of course, and the numbers are still high in certain areas. Um, I think the thing that people really want is a story. And that's yes. the thing that they want to connect to people with, you know, it's like, what's a story? I want to hear something that I can connect myself to and communicate with another person. I agree. So what do you want to get into next for Face Down? Do you want to talk about the lyrics? Um, the music video, I don't really know how much we should touch on. It, it's pretty.
1: Yeah, I figure yeah. I could talk. We could talk about the lyrics in conjunction with the video. We don't have to get too mm-hmm. specific in the video. It's. I think the video, because the video is a the you know it's it's the story essentially is a woman comes home. We discover bruises, and as that goes, the story is being told as the band performs the song, and right. it's a very very blatant image of like domestic abuse. And I think at the time that's, I guess that was like the very apparent way to tell this story. Cause I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's yeah. not an important story, but I think it was also maybe a little, I mean, not more digestible cause it's still a very, it's still very, um, it's a, I mean, trigger warning to be honest, especially like it is a triggering image to see and connect with. But even in 2000, this they came out in 2006. I
0: think at the time when we were younger, this was just sort of something we were seeing yeah. in a music video. And everyone just would have kept going on about their day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, we didn't have the word triggering necessarily in like, like the normal lexicon of everyday life, whereas now we can have that conversation and talk about it. So the the video is, but there is, I think, this power in the video where she does, like, kind of release that frustration. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the main part of the chorus. The chorus, like, to get into the lyrics a little bit, do you feel like a man when you push her around? Do you feel better now? It's very antagonistic, and it's angry, and it's emotional. Like, it's very it's not even it's not a super complicated reflection on the state and just like social norms and how this could happen it's very much a reactionary punch to this upsetting situation
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: and um i think the video for what it did at the time kind of captures that but in a very like early like mid-2000s way like it's just like well how do we tell how do we tell a person's personal story about abuse? Oh, let's just make a very (laughs) apparent video that's not hiding anything.
0: Yeah, nowadays you would find some creative way to express it. You'd have like a version of the video that is like okay for people to watch who have been through the thing. Like you're more sensitive of how this is going to be received by the people who have actually experienced the thing that's in the video oh. and in the song.
1: Also, a video nowadays would have a trigger warning up front.
0: Right, exactly. That's what I mean, is like they would definitely be more aware of what this is doing to people who have been through it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now or they I- would
0: just come up with some completely alternative, abstract way to visualize it, you know?
1: Yeah. Now an yeah. interesting thing I have wanted to think about. Maybe it's because mm. he was like they were kids, they were teenagers when they wrote this. And right, that's a good point yeah. too.
0: We forget that they were like also children. Yeah.
1: Cause the 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 inspiration and pain and emotion that Ronnie feels comes from childhood trauma. But mm. the narrative takes on the flair of a relationship where the victim is a woman. Is mm-hmm. that, do you think that that might be something that just was a little bit, e- like, not that it's easy to digest because it's still, te- it's still awful, but do you think society, it was, it would be harder to sell, especially video where it was more nuanced and gender wasn't specifically assigned. Cause I think like, mm. it's easier to also like, even if you are an abuser, like mm-hmm. you could still look at something like this and to dissociate yourself from the situation, you could be like, that's not right. You don't beat up women, you know?
0: Totally. I was thinking about that when we first started recording. I was like, there are plenty of men who have done not good things and a range of not good things. Um, I'm an adult. Not good is the term that I'm using. But like, there are definitely people who I've had issues with for varying degrees of sexism and toxicity who would listen to the song and love this song and feel like they are an upstanding citizen for liking this song and agreeing with its message. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And I think also like what you're touching on is like the problem with family trauma is that first of all, they're your family. There's always a part of you that is going to love them regardless. So writing a song about your family trauma might have at the time just not been a possibility to them, you know? Yeah. And then sometimes also when you've been through that family trauma, when you see it in other situations with other people, you become more defensive for them than you do for yourself. So I kind of wonder if maybe that has something to do with it too. Maybe it just felt better to get the message out through a different scenario where you could objectively say, this is a terrible thing because it's happening to somebody else. It's not happening to me and it's not happening within my family. Yeah. It's this other person.
1: Yeah. No, I think that. So
0: that's, yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree to that. What's interesting is as I look at the lyrics, because the narrative that the perspective we're given is it's, in a, it's a relationship and the victim is a woman. But then mm-hmm. outside the chorus, well, even the chorus itself, these are still... I think this is also just a common trend with the odds. The there was like, think about American Idiot. It was very mm-hmm. critical of America without actually making a very specific point or picking a side. It was very like, isn't James this
0: McAvoy. shit? Yeah,
1: isn't this shit stupid, guys? And it's like, isn't anybody. This
0: James McAvoy. Yeah,
1: anybody could take a side and be like, yeah. So when I look at yeah. this, I could see how, even though the narrative portrayed in the video is, you know, a relationship. These are still, I think, pretty profound lyrics that can attach themselves to any situation. Like this is the follow up after the chorus. Um, A pebble in the water makes a ripple effect. Every action in this world will bear a consequence. If you wait around forever, you will surely drown. I see what's going down. Like I read that and I'm like, whoa, like I, I get that.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: I get that. Um, And that's almost mm -hmm. like a reaching out to somebody in a bad situation, but like, dude, you're gonna drown.
0: I think also, you know, something that I didn't even think about until just now is it might have felt safer for him to create the narrative of the song around a female because it's so hard for men to come forward in cases of abuse, like you were saying in the last episode about Terry Crews. It's so difficult for men to put themselves forward in those sort of situations. So they might have felt that it was more objectively, like I said, like adding that, like, it's it's easier to add that trauma. or Like, it's easier to see that trauma is awful on another person than yourself. It might have been easier for them to put it as a female protagonist. Yeah. Um, Then again, that's when we get into the complicated issue of is this exploitative of like women being abused? Hmm. And we're just bringing this up because, you know, Tom and I talked about all of this before we started recording. We're like, we need to touch on the fact that this could seem like that. I feel like with today's lens and the confusion around cancel culture, that people would objectively look at this and be like, No, but like they got, they gained money from a song that is about a woman being abused. How is that? Okay. Yes. But then you ended up finding a lot of really interesting information that kind of supported the fact that they're not just being exploitative. They're not just gaining the rewards from the narrative of someone being in pain and is a female.
1: I think that conversation is very important and it's very fair. Mm -hmm. Like no one would debate that. I think it's, it is fair to look at and be like, how much of this is exploitive and taking advantage of a situation?
0: Because that was my first concern when you said, like, red jumpsuit apparatus. I was just like, how well is this going to track in today's lens versus
1: 2006? Yeah. Yeah. I do know, um, even early on, I think something I've learned about Ronnie, if I can say, Mm -hmm. Ronnie comes across fairly a uh, pretentious and obnoxious sometimes, but uh, I think he also backs it up. He's a very talented writer musician. And I think he does have the social, even back then, like he, he's not like, it's never like he said, he was a perfect guy, but I think even back then he had the social consciousness of like what this means. In 2007, they teamed up with Virgin records to raise funds mm-hmm. for the national coalition against domestic violence. They, went, they headlined a tour called Take Action, which was sponsored for awareness against teen suicide, animal cruelty, and domestic violence. And even nowadays, like, there's still very much a an understanding of the social responsibilities of when you make music like this and bring touch upon topics like this. There is, like, mm-hmm. an awareness of what this means and how to make the circumstances better. And I think even he's grown where, like, I think one of the most profound things he said is that like, I was angry that my parents got addicted to a substance and abused me he goes, but then I ended up becoming addicted to the same thing. And mm-hmm. there's this like nuanced conversation of like, not only trying to get yourself out of a situation like this and bringing awareness to when things are bad, but also learning how to love yourself so that you can help yourself when you fall down, like, and get into mm-hmm. the rut. Like, it's a very real conversation. Like, there's a reason, like, alcoholism, unfortunately, is a... It, like, it's, it, it is, like, it spreads, like, a disease in, like, especially in, like, a family situation, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that um, does sort of answer the question, like, is this exploitative? Like, the fact that they were so forward thinking to think like okay if we are going to benefit from this then we should continue to spread this message this is very important and doing the work to do better um i think genuinely the only thing is just like the music video they probably should have done differently like it would have still been a powerful message i think if they had just not done the music video so literally you know yeah yeah Yeah, but I think that's part of it, is that, like, we can talk about the full range of good and bad that can come from something like this. Not just, oh, we should cancel this, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And, like, actually holding something accountable for the message that they're presenting. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: (sighs) I mean... What protects them nowadays is the uh, the lens. Is of the mis- fact that
0: they were just a one hit wonder.
1: <laughs> is all, but also the lens of nostalgia. Because like I said, yeah. whenever like I can't wait to go to another emo night, and then the song. This is like one of those songs that's like universal. When this song comes on, everybody sings. And um, right. another example is Teenagers, my Chemical Romance. When that song comes on. Everybody I sings. Love
0: that song. That's
1: such a good. That's that. It's is an such incredible a good album. song. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. Side note. Uh, yeah. I was watching interviews with Ronnie White, and he even said, like, at because this came out around the same time, and he was like, you know, I picked up, I picked up three cheers, for sweet revenge, and he's like, and Great I fell album. in love with this band. And he's like, and he's like, even though our record came out around the same time, because I was just incredibly happy to see this band that I love put out a record and that record be incredible. So
0: I'm so glad that as we've gotten further away from the aughts and we, you know, when I was younger, I thought, like, what bands that we're growing up with are going to be considered like the rock bands that survive the decade or the trends. And I love that My Chemical Romance is the one that actually people have come back to. Oh,
1: yeah. They are held in you know what such I mean? regard. Like, yeah, I, I've even heard music critic, uh, music critic with the best teeth in the game, Anthony Fantano. <laughs> he, he says that the they are the type of band that will long live just the image of the emo rock band, but be known as yes. a classic rock band like that's
0: what I mean their staple
1: is more than just being an aughts band but like the profound impact like and we see it like they yeah it's huge
0: like I think that fallout boy and panic at the disco panic at the disco has honestly had some pretty strong lasting legs for you know what it's turned into and they're very self-aware well Brendan Urie is very self-aware of that Fallout Out Boy, I sort of anticipated, would continue on. But very clearly, they are just of a decade. They're of the emo trend. Yeah. White Stripes, you totally expect to come out of the game being considered a, pla- a classic rock band. But My Chemical Romance is really the one that... Like, that's the dark horse. I didn't see that coming at all. And I love that so much.
1: Well, because they're so good. It's just, they're so good. They're so good. And the cal- everything was so... Meticulously calculated, and they're just incredible, like talented people. Like Gerard wade he, he's not even just a musician. Like, look at all the things he's done. Like, like he may not be like, he's always I mean, remained relevant.
0: Academy. He's been yeah.
1: relevant. He's always been relevant, whether he was the front of it or not. He's oh, he has been relevant to pop culture for the last like twenty years, and I don't think he's slowing down any bit. You know.
0: What? Is this What's up? going on? Sorry, I am looking up cuz I know My Chemical Romance is coming to Brooklyn. <gasps> and um they're very very expensive tickets Tom. but I kind of also I'm like, well, like we're turning 30 this year. So like, should we just like should we just like splurge and get ourselves some My Chemical Romance tickets? I don't How know. Much are I don't know. Mm, it's a lot. It's like over $200.
1: That's, that's rough. I've spent that it much is money. I have in the past, but i Right, like
0: we've definitely over time spent more than that. Like we've both been to Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm also like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there into the universe. Just my chemical romance is coming to Brooklyn at some point in 2021 uh, maybe. or 2022. Sometime.
1: Maybe.
0: Okay. 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 So.
1: To kind of I rap, won't
0: say no. <laughs> I know. I think I'll, I definitely want to. Okay.
1: To to wrap up kind of like the, like, like the, the credentials of this song, this song peaked at number 24 in the United States and number four in New Zealand. It tied.
0: Okay, New Zealand. Yeah,
1: it tied with 30 seconds to Mars, the kill as the longest running song on modern tracks charts at 52 weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, like you mentioned, there are four versions of this. There's an acoustic version, a radio version, which has no screaming and the music version. And then the official version, it was also fun fact. This doesn't, I don't know how this fits. It doesn't I kind of,
0: yeah. Once you mentioned the screaming thing, I was like, yeah, I didn't need that. Yeah.
1: It doesn't, I don't know how the, it it was featured on the soundtrack for saints row two.
0: What's
1: that? Oh, you've never heard of the saints rose games.
0: No, what is that?
1: Well, the first Saint Rose was a copy, like a copy of GTA. But by the third game, it became so ludicrous. They just ran with the absurdity. And they are incredibly fun games, especially 3 and 4.
0: Wow, I actually wrote Rose as in the flower. Yeah. Not Row as in R-O-W.
1: Yeah, Saint's Row 2.
0: Oh my god, I can see a complete... Like picture of the person who plays this game and also listens to butt rock and also listens to face down and thinks that he's not sexist or hasn't done anything wrong to women yeah we know that person we also know that this person
1: (laughs) this person did not play Saints Row 3 because Saints Row 3 embraced the Saints Row 3 is an incredible game Saints Row 3 is okay because by that point, they stopped trying to copy GTA and just said, let's be as absurd as possible. And they got very cool. meta, they got very meta with it. Cool. Like, in Saints Row, I think three or four, you become the president and have to fight aliens.
0: Oh, they just put it on the Switch. Wait, what? He fights aliens? He fights aliens! What? I'm sorry. I heard you say that, and then it registered two minutes later.
1: Let me see. Saints Row the Third let's see five years after the events of saints Row, through the third street saints have grown to their humble roots of street gangs into worldwide crime group. Uh, I think the fourth one is the one where you become the president and, Oh, and then there's also uh, superpowers. It's just, yeah. Shortly after the events of saints row, the third, this game begins with the boss being elected president of the United States um uh, wow. it's yeah they like saints wow. were three and four just run with the absurdity whereas the first one tried to be a serious game trying to copy pretty much like the formula from grand theft auto
0: saints, i think i much prefer the the outcome it eventually ended up with
1: because that's the only way to go like
0: yeah it, yeah like, totally
1: like in the two like because the first game came out in 2006 You could still get away with, like, because that was also, like, trying to rip off, like, mainstream hip-hop culture. And it's, like, we could totally get away with making a game that's, like, where you play as a wannabe gangster. It's, like, Mm -hmm. imagine the person you literally just described listens to butt rock, doesn't think they're sexist.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But by 2011, 2013, when Saints Row the Third and Fourth come out, it's, like, they're just, like, fuck it, man. Let's just, you're the president and you're fighting aliens.
0: Yeah, it's the kind of guy who's like, "I'm not sexist. I've holded, I've held a door open for a woman before. That means I'm polite. But I did check out her butt if she was young enough for me also, to look at her
1: butt." I also called her a bitch when she didn't say thank you.
0: Yes, yes, is yes is yes. yes. <laughs> that, that's that's it. yes. Yeah, that's, that's the person, vibe.
1: That person doesn't play Saints Row the Fourth because they think it's too unrealistic.
0: Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Whereas I would play Saints Row the Fourth because it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, um, the sex toy bat is very funny. <laughs> These <laughs> games
1: are very fun. Well, the, the third and fourth one are very fun.
0: So, how do you feel? Should we, like, what, is there anything else you, should we include? Like, w- w- should we start with a questions? Should we add it to the um, hmm. research table? The Let's emerging trends?
1: Let's add it to the emerging trends. Okay. Um, before we wrap, I do think it's important to address this song does cover, like, obviously, we've talked about it. It does cover very heavy topics and very real personal traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, if, like, obviously, the main message, and I think this is the message the band themselves would be very forward with if there is any situation where somebody feels they might be in a difficult or harmful situation, there are resources for you, and you can always look them mm-hmm. up online. Please always be aware of the National Domestic Violence Hotline. It's a quick Google search away. Um I don't have the number off the top of my head. I'm sorry.
0: That's okay, Tom. I think it's very sweet that you included um like
1: Yeah. You know, well abuse, It's been very hard for people
0: uh, during the pandemic. So Yeah,
1: especially like unfortunately the numbers have made it worse during the pandemic. A's are very difficult and stressful times but that does not mean you deserve like uh, any form of abuse and it comes in many different forms. you the hardest thing is not the hardest thing is realizing it when you want so badly for things just to be okay.
0: Yeah and I think also um, I think in general like with the um, like spike in those cases and also there's been such a huge case, a spike in cases of people who have like relapsed on drug addiction. And their vices, and I feel like uh, like it makes so much sense because it's so hard right now. It's so hard to be in a pandemic and survive, and then add on top of that, like it's challenging for anybody. And then if you already come into the pandemic with faults, because lots of you know that's life, um, it's it's a lot harder. Um, I listened to Dak Shepard interview Macklemore, and both really? of them were talking about. How they both relapsed during the pandemic, and really? it was a really interesting interview. I really like McLemore. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders yeah. um he's very open to conversations about like his role in hip hop yeah um but i I ended up gaining a lot of of my own closure from listening to it because it was just so insightful and like you know um not being harsh about yourself about anything that Um, you're victim to in the pandemic because it's just really hard and you have to do what you can to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. Yes. I feel kind of weird uh, about the um, themes that we have in regards to face down. I don't really know where to put this one in. So we've got... Mutual or self-assured destruction in love, denouncement of society, parentheses, nonconformity), take whatever you throw at me, being a garbage person, just not being okay, escapism, and romanticized youth. I think
1: this, like, the lyrics alone would specify not okay, and even... Ich, this is hi, almost hi. like an awareness of, like, trying to reach out for help. That could be that. But ironically, this song also, I think for a lot of people, like, saying at the top of the episode, this song also... The lyrics themselves are not okay. But I think right. the experience of listening to the song can serve as escapism. It's a relatable... It's a very relatable frustration that allows people in a cathartic way to vent that chord of frustration and maybe hopefully inspire somebody if they are in a difficult situation to get help or get out of it you know
0: yeah that's a good point i i think i feel more comfortable with that because i think some of the other themes would be sort of kiki no 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 no. those are my headphones hold on hold on my cat's trying to eat my headphones okay sorry
1: i'm gonna leave that um in
0: and now she wants to play with them um no kiki no 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 okay so i think she's also very cold my cats look very cold because it's very cold outside it's that like mid-april winter in new york yes um so yeah i think that escapism might be best because that's the general sensation that you get from listening to the song versus I feel like putting it in destruction and love. No, or, I
1: wouldn't go there.
0: Yeah, it's very uncomfortable to put it there. Yeah, it would um, have to.
1: I really would mm-hmm. champion it It either not okay or yeah. not escapism. I think it exists in both because the the story is about a not okay situation, but the experience for people who've listened and maybe grown attached to it is escaping or feeling like they have a voice when they didn't otherwise.
0: Right. I'm going to put it in escapism, because I think at one point in the song, they say, like, one day she'll find that she's had enough. Yep. So it is them trying to, like, hope for a positive ending.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I felt a little like I was like, I don't know, because in all of the other songs that are so campy and so silly, this is great. You know, like all these like. Versions of it, and I think that's why the song stood out too because you know, its colleagues or its peers were all doing shake, 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 shake it. Yeah, and then they were like, but also, this is happening, and people were like, whoa, that's a lot. So, yeah, I agree. I'm glad to put it in not okay. All right, now. I have hidden my microphone wire. Kiki is sitting in my lap and she has something to need. So I think I have, you know, cooled down the situation. Nice. Yes. Right. So should we ask the questions? Are I you think ready?
1: We, I think we kinda answered the first one.
0: We, yes, I think we, so too.
1: The video the video wouldn't the video would need a trigger warning and more of a nuanced perspective, which I think could be accomplished. The song itself, I think, like, maybe it's Nostalgia Glasses, but it's still a bop. And pop punk and, it's still and different... still
0: oddly a bop. Yeah
1: it's, that, yeah, it's making a comeback. So I think it would, the song itself would still stand.
0: I think if anything, and this is what I would hope for, is that, you know, with today's messages of, like, hoping men would come forward with their own cases of abuse, that they would feel ready to share their own personal story instead of relying on the narrative of a female yeah um but also with a 2021 lens like maybe he also wants to see himself as that female and that's okay too yeah like that's the thing is like there's so much that could be done with it today yeah i agree tom yes what has been your obsession for the past week
1: uh machine gun kelly
0: damn right i'm, I'm kind of into it too
1: <laughs> yeah like i hate to be that guy and be like i didn't listen to this music before but it's the truth i really didn't and it's not because i i don't know it's just didn't seem like it'd be my thing but this latest album fucking um
0: when my bloody valentine came out i was like oh man he's bringing it back yeah hard
1: the yeah. tickets to my downfall First of yes. all, I also love the color scheme of it. That black and pink, fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Such
1: a good vibe. And then those songs, like, Bloody Valentine. I love, um, I think my favorite song, honestly, is Forget Me Too, which features Halsey. That's a great song.
0: I love Halsey.
1: Like, this whole album is just so fucking good. His cover of Misery
0: Business. He's got a cover of Misery Business? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, No, I... I remember the My Bloody Valentine video coming out and um, being like, wow, 2000s are coming back. This is it. Like, this is the sign. Megan Fox is in the video. She's wrecking some shit. She's looking hot while she does it. Like, this is exactly what the outs yeah. were about. And, and I, I like the album name, the tickets to my downfall or whatever. Like, I think that's great. Um, and then like once Joe was like, I'm angry that I want to listen to this. I was like, oh, yeah, we are perfectly back yeah. in the odds. This is oh, it. yeah.
1: And then, um, you know, they're getting married.
0: Of course they are. They have to at this point. They're twin flames, Tom. They have yeah. to invest. They have to add some fuel, you know, stoke those fires like they got to they got to maintain it.
1: Yeah i'm also a big fan and this is i think this is a lot more a divisive song i'm a big fan of their of his song featuring uh internet celebrity musician gamer corpse husband called daywalker i am a big fan of that i do dig it it's angsty for no real reason it's very it's very ox angsty like when wake up i'll go do that again i came back I
0: wanna know if I tell you a secret, will you keep it? want say shit, i
1: yeah. For no real reason, but I, I love it. It's a bop. It's a Corpse husband's got that voice, that like like that that, that, that like intimidating smoker voice that's just it hits mm-hmm. you different.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's been my um, weekly obsession.
0: Oh, I did forget to tell my anecdote about uh red jumpsuit apparatus real quick. Should we still do that? Yes, please. Before okay. okay. So, um basically as I have mentioned in the past, I worked at a very small local bridal shop around the corner from my home. Um they've like since gone on to do much better and I'm so proud of them, but hey yay yay for local business um they are like a mini they're like a long island staple now um but at the time the same radio station that i mentioned uh i would hear a thousand years by christina perry all the time Yeah, would play the same radio station for hours and hours and it was wedding song that's what it was called it was called the wedding song playlist and you know, you'd go through the classics like Christina Perry and something by Frank Sinatra. You'd go through all of these wedding songs. And then at some point, like the algorithm would get really wonky and start playing these really random songs. And occasionally, when I was alone in the store, it would randomly just start playing Face Down by Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. That's
1: bizarre. Especially. That's if- not.
0: Yeah, like, (laughs) that's not a song that you should be associating with marriage. No. (laughs) It's just, like, the weirdest scenario. And then sometimes I felt like I was going crazy and, like, I had been there for too long that suddenly that song was playing on the wedding station.
1: That's bizarre.
0: So I still don't know what that was about. Sometimes, uh, I forget what it was. I forget like what the actual radio service was, but um, it was just like the most bizarre thing. And then I would just change it to like a Coldporter Porter station or something, something on trend, but still like not, you know, red jumpsuit apparatus. Yeah, that's
1: fair. <laughs>
0: um, But yeah, so that's that's my little anecdote about working in a bridal shop and then also hearing a song about domestic abuse. There it is um i'm trying to figure out what my obsession has been um i guess just like falling back in love with my potential doctoral program um it's been really really rough teaching and learning during the pandemic and there have been plenty of days where i felt like i should just quit or you know forget it they're jerks i'm a jerk we're all jerks. This is stupid. Who cares? Um, And then I found out like through communicating with my doctoral friends that that is just a normal part of the process. (laughs) And, um, you know, that doesn't mean it's stupid. And what I'm doing has value and values others, especially the way that I care about like empathy in art education and how, like, empathy and education in general will, like, unlock a much more motivated child who is excited to learn. Um, Yeah, I just feel a lot better about it, and I feel like my place in that program has value, so I'm super excited to keep going.
1: I'm really glad. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: me too. Thank you. It feels good to, like, end on a good note for the spring semester. Hell Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to wrap it here? That's it.
0: Go for it. Do the thing, Tom. Do the thing.
1: Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very nostalgic for me. I'm definitely looking forward to going back out and singing the chorus of the song on Long Night Drives (laughs) out (laughs) east for no reason or on Emo Night at a bar. Um, Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully.
0: um, You know, safely. Safely. More people, you know, but like in a safe kind of more people way. Get
1: vaccinated people, please.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Volunteer at your local vaccination hubs. Yes. I'm doing it. It's so cool. You just have to greet people and tell them where to go, and you're doing a good thing. So you're
1: helping comfort people at a time of uncertainty and just letting them know that the more we get vaccinated, the better we'll be.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But with that, thank you so much. Be sure to follow us on the Instagrams at Remember the Zero Zero S Podcast. We mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. on Spotify, Z- Apple. Zap. Google, Amazon. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Podbean. Yeah. And where most podcasts are found.
0: Mhm, mhm. We... if you Google us, you will find us.
1: Yes, Google works.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, but thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, we're on YouTube. That's right, we're on YouTube.
0: Yes, sometimes, sometimes YouTube takes us down
1: that happens but that's okay youtube it's fine but with that guys thank you so much have a good day all right i'm good with that